Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. This is Friday, the 25th day of February, and this, the year of our Lord, 2022. There are subjects of vital importance today, the war in Ukraine, for example, but I have decided to turn our attention back to Canada for a few moments and discuss what the actions of Prime Minister Trudeau mean for the rest of us, for the rest of the world. I want to begin my discussion of Canada by talking about a Canadian pastor named Arthur Pawlowski, who is the inspiration for the title of this castle report. Pawlowski is also a kind of poster child for the entire incident of Canadian martial law, or as Prime Minister Trudeau calls it, the state of emergency. The good pastor was ministering to the Canadian truckers in Ottawa by conducting church services for them each Sunday. He was ordered to stop doing that by the Canadian government. He refused to comply. I invite you to watch the YouTube video of his arrest if you have any doubts about what I'm saying. Surrounded by a dozen armed officers, he is ordered to come along. Come along, Arthur, they said, but he does not comply like the Gandhi protesters in India the followers of Martin Luther King, he drops to his knees with his hands behind his head. Evil calls to us and tells us to comply. Just come along, it says, but we are expected to refuse compliance, as Pastor Palowski did. He did not resist. He just refused to assist and force the officers to drag him to their arrest van. The officers did not hesitate to do so, seemed very willing to carry out their orders. The pastor had been in trouble with the prime minister before, it seems. He was ordered once to stop saying negative things about the vaccine. Once again, he refused to comply, so he was ordered to put a warning label on anything he wrote or said about the vaccine. Again, he refused to comply. Public health officials and armed police came to his church during the Easter service. He did not even let them begin to speak. Get out, he said. Leave this property immediately. I don't want to hear a word from you. Just get out. The Gestapo is not allowed here. Nazis are not welcome here. That went on for about three minutes until they finally left his church. The entire incident is available on YouTube, or at least it was until recently. The pastor showed the world and especially the prime minister that there is at least one man in this world, one man in Canada, who has the courage to stand between the state and his congregation. There are other courageous people in Canada, of course. People such as the nameless old lady who was ridden down by mounted officers while she was disabled and in her electric wheelchair. That much is clear on video, as is the arrest of many truckers doing nothing but sitting in their trucks. They had their property destroyed, their trucks towed away, They were arrested. My advice to the truckers is to do what the prime minister ordered. Just go home. Go home. Stay home. Park your trucks. Don't haul anything. I want to see what the PM does when nothing is being delivered in Canada. Who are these people who do such horrible things to their fellow Canadians? These people who seem to have no shame, no dignity. These people who refer to anyone who disagrees with them as misogynistic, racist, haters of women, deniers of science, people of the fringe and the like. The actions of one participant used to convict all the same behavior as the one truck out of tens of thousands with the Confederate flag makes them all racist. Are these people liberals? 
If so, what is a liberal? Is that what a liberal is? The dictionary defines a liberal as, quote, a supporter of a political and social philosophy that promotes individual rights, civil liberties, democracy, and free enterprise, end quote. I argue that the liberal of that definition is a very tolerant person. He is the liberal of Jeffersonian liberalism. Mr. Jefferson is quoted as having said, I don't care whether a man has no God, one God, or 20 gods. If my pocket isn't picked and my leg isn't broken, in other words, live and let live. But that sounds more like the libertarian philosophy of today than today's liberal. Under that definition, I'm probably a liberal, but that is not the liberal of today. So what happened? What happened to them? Fearful changes have occurred in what was once the liberal movement, the movement was non-interventionist in foreign policy and in favor of civil rights for all, but no more. In a recent Rasmussen poll, 59% of Democrats favor house arrest for the unvaccinated except for emergencies. 55% of Democrats favor financial penalties against the unvaccinated. 48% favor fining or even jailing those who question vaccine efficacy. I could go on with this frightening poll, but I'm sure you get the idea. One last thing, 29% of Democrats favor stripping away the parental rights of those who refuse vaccination. These figures indicate a strong denial of individual liberty, strong denial of civil rights. Today's liberal, more often than not, slants toward authoritarian or even totalitarian impulses. So again, I ask what happened to the open mind and the tolerant view of others. The liberals of the 60s and 70s had very little power except their voices, their mass numbers. The Vietnam War raged on. They denounced the war and screamed about it until public opinion finally changed in their favor. They denounced the existing power structure as, quote, the man. The man had to be overthrown by way of the long march through the institutions. Well, now that march is complete, every single institution has been forced to surrender. The liberal flag has been raised over it. They started in the faculty lounges of our great universities, through Hollywood, through the newsrooms of TV studios, through the newspapers. They captured the corporate boards and the boards of all philanthropic organizations worthy of note. They conquered the bastions of non-liberal thought. They settled in. They built their wall. They became, quote, the man. They became the man. Yesterday's screaming, marching liberals have become today's authority. They have turned all those liberal campuses into bastions of conformist authority. Now the CIA and the FBI are trusted the most by liberals, silencing their adversaries. Is their prime directive. They look constantly for new ways to silence and censor their adversaries, fortunately. For them, they control, through their tech giant partners, access to the Internet. They don't have to use brute force of government unless they have no other choice because they can call on their partners just to cut off all information to their adversaries. The greatest power of a newspaper or any media is the power to ignore, the power to force death on an issue by simply refusing to talk about it. They started out by calling everything hate speech, but now they want to silence so many voices that can't be termed hate speech, they have invented the word disinformation. If someone takes a position contrary to the prevailing power system, he is guilty of disinformation, and that cannot be allowed. Now, with all that in mind, we return to our friends in Canada. 
to see how they fare with all this. Like the Rasmussen poll on how Democrats view the unvaccinated, polls recently show that most Canadians support Prime Minister Trudeau's draconian actions against the protesters. They see videos of old ladies being trampled, peaceful truckers being hauled off to jail with a pastor who did nothing but minister to them. They support these actions. Order and a firm determination to maintain it at all costs is more important to the average Canadian than individual liberty and civil rights for all, apparently. The old lady could have gone home, they say. The truckers could have as well. They, the pastor could just shut up. So they all chose their fate. They all deserved it. Justin Trudeau defined all their morality for them. So instead of being defiant, they should have just accepted the morality he assigned to them and gone home. Trudeau had options as well. He could have acted like a grown man and a decent human being and met with the protesters to find out who they were and what they wanted, but instead he chose violence and intimidation. And he chose to follow the instructions of his mentors in Davos and its brave new world. Those who blame the victims are just about as bad as Trudeau. It's like a person who sees a woman who has been raped and assumed that, oh, well, oh, well, she had it coming. They chose arbitrary state power over the rights of fellow Canadians. The vaccine is the new sacrament for the new state religion. The divisions among people constantly, consistently fanned into a burning flame. Each day the flame gets hotter each day. Both sides are more entrenched in their belief that if the other side would just comply, all this would go away and we would just live happily ever after in one way. Trudeau supporters are right. A person always has the choice to accept the abuse of government and thereby avoid death. The old lady didn't have to come down to Parliament Square. She could have stayed in and watched it all on the news. It's even sadder, since she probably believed the Trudeau government and the power of the state. As a partner with the people, she could have surrendered her humanity and just gone along, just as those mounted officers did when they trampled her. She could have obeyed Mr. Trudeau, just as those officers did when they came to arrest an innocent pastor. The officers could have kept their humanity by just saying, Sir, in good conscience, I cannot obey that order. But they didn't, just as the stormtroopers for centuries have not done. Some did keep their humanity, however, as the Ottawa police chief resigned, presumably because he refused Trudeau's order for state-sanctioned violence. The financial crimes of Justin Trudeau against these people are much more ominous and frightening than the violence because of what they portend for us here in America, the truckers and all who supported them. Had their bank accounts and all other financial accounts frozen, people who brought them food, coffee, fuel, along with people who contributed to them through one of the crowdfunding sources, had their bank accounts seized. I know you see where this is going, folks. Force an end to cash. Force everyone into digitized money, a digitized system. The younger generation says they would be fine with that. Once cash is gone, the only transaction is through the government's digital money, then it's comply or else comply or die. You will not be able to buy, sell, or feed your family without government permission. This all seems like some science fiction nightmare. But unfortunately, it's not fiction. It's here, right now. The enemy comes to us and demands that we comply. You can comply or you can oppose him and suffer the consequences. 
This amounts to the end of individual freedom in the world. It's not the end. If it is not the end, it is at least the beginning of the end. Finally, folks, the state is not our benign partner. It is violence and force and always has been. The ongoing fascistic actions of the Canadian government reveal that the process of eliminating civil rights in Canada is more advanced than in the U.S., but the U.S. is working hard to catch up. Trudeau. Leaders like him are hostile to the people, hostile to the truth, hostile to the church, hostile to the light, and hostile to individual freedom and liberty. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.